Go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 5. We're continuing our journey through the book of Acts. Uh, when we first started planning to go through this series, when we started going through it back in January, we had no idea that we were going to be in the middle of a pandemic. And I had uh, sought counsel with even some guys within the church here and some guys outside of our, 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 outside of our church and just kind of like, should I stay in the book of Acts? Should I go somewhere else? I was looking at maybe looking at the book of James or the book of First Peter just because of the context of what we're dealing with. But it seems like, and I believe it was William Layton who, who, who told me um, that he has really enjoyed looking at the challenges that the first century church has gone through and how they've endured and how they've grown through that to where now every time I look at studying the text, it fits with what we're struggling with. And so today we're looking at Acts 5 verses 12 through 16, and we're looking at what's happening with the first century church. So let's go ahead and let's read the text. We'll pray and then we'll jump into it. So Acts 5 verse 12, if you're there, let me hear your horns. Stop yelling at me. All right, here we go. Verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the truth that you have for us. Help us to see it. Help us to apply it. Help us to be changed by it. Lord, we are thankful for who you are and that you have given us your spirit to transform us to work within our church. We ask all this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Now, I like to go to church conferences. Um, that's just, it's fun for me. Uh, there was one conference I was not able to go to this year. It's actually my favorite conference. They do it every two years. It is the T4G conference in Louisville, Kentucky. The seminary that I attend is the one that puts it on. And it's T4G stands for Together for the Gospel. It's three days of preaching. Some of you are probably like, oh, I'm like, yeah. But this year they had to cancel it. Thank you, pandemic. Well, because of it, because of conferences like that, I come back, I'm refreshed, I'm rejuvenated, I'm excited. But there's some conferences that go on around our world today that are more like church growth strategies. The, and, 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 and hear me say this. I know there are a lot of churches across America, across the world that use church growth strategies. They look at books. They look at all these things to give plans or what not to do that. I'm not bashing all church growth strategies. But when we look at trying to build the church based off of a strategy, we're going to fail. 
And here's why. Here's the main idea I have for you this morning from today's text. It's four words. God builds his church. That's it. The main idea that I want you to walk away from today's text is God builds his church. You do not build the church. I do not build the church. We do not build the church. God builds his church. And we see that in today's text. God builds his church. And, we're, and I got three ways in which God does that. And these three ways, you'll see it's through us. God uses us to build the church, but God is the one who is the builder. So number one, I'm going to break it down for you. Number one, God builds his church, number one, through the prayers of his people. God builds his church through the prayers of his people. This whole text, Acts 5, 12 through 16, is the result of their prayer from Acts 4, 23 to 31. Remember when they prayed for God to give them boldness? This was after Peter and John were, were approached by the council. They were experiencing what persecution looks like. They come back to their friends, to the people. And what do they do? They do not pray for God to, to bring judgment or retribution. They pray for God to give them boldness to preach the gospel in the face of persecution. They, they pray for God to give them boldness. And not only that, they pray for God to continue in bringing signs and miracles. This is Acts 4, 29 and 30. They prayed for that. And here in, in Acts 5, we see it happening. God is building his church through the prayers of his people. Spurgeon, whenever he would be approached at the church that he was a pastor at in England, I might have said that wrong, but where he was pastor at, they would, Spurgeon would take them on a tour throughout the church. And one place Spurgeon would take the visitors to would be downstairs. He would open the door and what you would see is you would see a number of people crowded in this room and what are they doing? They're praying. They're praying for the church. They're praying for the pastor. This, this is what Spurgeon would call his powerhouse. This was the furnace that heated the church. Church, let me tell you, God will not build a prayerless church. We see Leonard Ravenhill. If you've never read the book, Why Revival Tarries, I'm going to recommend it to you. Pick it up. It's phenomenal. But one thing Leonard Ravenhill says, he, he says this, let the fires go out in the boiler room of the church and it still looks smart and clean, but it'll be cold. The prayer room is the boiler room for the church's spiritual life. If we let the prayer room go out, the church may still look good. It may still look clean. It may still look smart but it would be a cold and dying church. Church, let me tell you something. You might want to write this down. A prayerless church is a powerless church. A church that is not on its knees praying will not be powerful in its day. A church that is not a prayerful church, God will not build. God will not grow. God will not continue blessing. Because a prayerless church is a powerless church. 
And here we see that this text that we're looking at is the result of their prayer. God is blessing and growing the church through the prayers of his people. And so church, are you praying? Are you? I know this can be a hard question. It's really not. Are you a praying believer? Are you praying for the church and not just Red Cross? Are you praying for the church universal? Are you praying for your church's leaders? We've got some hard times ahead right now. We're struggling here in this pandemic. But our church right now is being blessed. We are being blessed through your giving. We're being blessed through your serving. I mean, like Leto and Trey and Colby does not have to be up here. But they choose to. They volunteer to. The men that are in the parking lot do not have to be here. But they volunteer to. They, they choose to. Are you praying for them? Are you praying for me? Spurgeon would say that, 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 that he was uh, faithful in ministry because of the prayers of his people. And church, I am not going to be good at my job. I'm not going to be good in this ministry if you are not praying for me. So are you praying for me? Are you praying for Leto and his family? You praying for my family? Are you praying for our deacons? Church, a prayerless church is a powerless church. God builds his church through the prayers of his people. So are you praying? Secondly, God builds his church, number two, by the power of the Spirit. By the power of the Spirit. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 of, of Acts 5. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. Signs and wonders. When we look at the Bible, when we look at when signs and miracles were done, they were done to confirm their calling. They were done to confirm to the people that what they were saying is true and is real and that they are really sent by God. These were miracles of confirmation. But let me tell you something. This is why we don't see those today. Because we don't need them. Our confirmation is the word of God. This is why you don't see me up here laying hands on people to try and heal them. Because I don't do that. Why? Because we have the word of God. But does that mean that God doesn't heal? No, God does heal. God heals. And that's why we pray for healing. We pray for God to heal the sick. We pray for God to provide. We pray for God to encourage. We pray for God to strengthen. And it's only done by the power of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. That Christ has sent for us, for our benefit. The Spirit is healing people through the apostles. Look at verse 15. 15 says, So that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. 
people are people are trying to get so close to Peter that even if his shadow would fall on them, maybe they would be healed by it. That's their confidence in who they are. That's their confidence in the gospel. That's their confidence in God that they wanted to see healing. Church, let me tell you, God builds his church by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that comes in and heals people. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that comes in and restores relationships. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that comes in and gives us a heart of love and a heart of forgiveness and a heart of self-control and a heart of generosity. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that you will see God build a church. So are you trusting in the Spirit's work within our church? Let me tell you something. Four years ago last month was when I came to Red Cross. And I came as the youth pastor. And I, I, let me just get real for a second. I, I really hope I don't offend anybody. But when the search committee asked us if we were coming to visit before we get voted on, we said no. Because we were told honestly what the state of the church was in. That the church needed some healing. The church needed some joy. The church needed some new life. So we didn't visit this church before we got voted on because we didn't want that to discourage us in coming. We only wanted to come if God wanted us to be here. So we came the day that we were going to be voted on. And church, let me tell you, it was a different church that day. It was. When I became pastor one year later, there's a reason why the first sermon series I did was on the book of Philippians. I chose to preach through the book of Philippians because our church needed joy. Our church needed to find joy in Christ. Our church needed healing. Our church needed to be brought back to where it was. And church, I can tell you, Three years from that, our church is completely different. And I cannot wait for the day that we get to come back in on a Sunday morning because I miss that feeling. Because I know that there are people, I know that there are people who once felt like it was a burden to come to, to, come to church who now feel that it is a joy to be at church. And I can tell you that that is not because of me. That is not because of Leto. That is not because of anybody here except by the power of the Holy Spirit of what God has done here at Red Cross Baptist Church. And I am so thankful to have been a part of that, to see that. And I'm excited to see what God is going to continue doing within our church because even in the stage we are in, in this middle, in the middle of this pandemic, you look around, God's not going to stop building his church. God's not going to stop working. God is continuing to do what he's called to do. God's continuing to do what he said he will do. So church, hear me as a testimony. God builds his church by the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, he builds his church by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, 
First, we saw God builds his church through the prayers of his people. Second, through by the power of the spirit. Thirdly, he builds his church through the preaching of the word. God builds his church through the preaching of the word. We saw in Acts 4 where the apostles were praying for boldness. They're not praying for boldness just to stand up against the worldly leaders that are trying to stop them. They're praying for boldness to remain steadfast and, and strong in preaching the gospel. Because they knew that it was what they were preaching that the people had a problem with. God builds his church through the preaching of the gospel. Listen, God does not build his church through programs. Is it possible? Yes. But it, it will not happen if there is no preaching of the word. God builds his church through the preaching of the gospel, through the preaching of, of his word. Ver, check out verse 13. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Let's talk about that. None of the rest dared to join them. Last week, we looked at Ananias and Sapphira and the judgment that they encountered because they lied. We saw the seriousness of sin. We saw the seriousness that God takes sin. And we saw it as he brought judgment on Ananias and Sapphira. And then also a couple weeks before that, we saw how persecution is starting to come to the church. We saw how the messes they carry, the people don't want to hear it. The religious leaders don't want to hear it. It's a threat. So the people that are afraid to come, that are afraid to join, these are people who are afraid of, the, of men. These are people who are afraid because they see now that God means business and he doesn't want this kind of half-hearted commitment. He wants our whole heart. So we see that these people are afraid to come and join. But despite these people, despite their fear and despite their reluctance to believe, God is still saving people. We look at verse 14 and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. John Wesley once said, give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. Such alone will shake the gates of hell. Church, God builds his church through the preaching of the word. Red Cross is a testimony to it. He has built us up and I can tell you, it is through the preaching of the word. It's not through my skill, it's not through my knowledge, but it's through the word being proclaimed. We have a seriousness here when it comes to the preaching of God's word. We have a seriousness here when it comes to where we should stand. If God's word says it, we should do it. If God's word says don't do it, we shouldn't do it. God builds his church through the preaching of the word. And Romans 10, Romans 10 tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. How do we expect people to be saved? You cannot emotionally drive them to it. It doesn't matter what type of music you play. It doesn't matter how many lights you have. It doesn't matter how comfortable you make the service. 
People are saved from hearing the words of Christ. God builds his church by the preaching of the word. We see that here in the text. And church, we are to stand firm on it. Hear me. Just as we cannot save ourselves, we cannot save ourselves. We trust in God saving us, in his work in drawing us, in his work in transforming us. We trust in God to save us. We also trust in God to save others through the preaching of the word. We can't do it. And don't rely on me too. People are saved from God's word. From the preaching of it. The gospel saves, not us. God builds, not us. What does that mean? What does that mean for us? It means that we are to be faithful. If God builds his church through the prayers of his people, we should be faithful in praying. If God builds his church by the power of the Spirit, we should be faithful in trusting. And if God builds his church through the preaching of his word, we should be faithful in preaching it. That's what he's called us to do. Because God builds his church, we should be faithful in doing what God's called us to do. Because God does it. Paul tells us in Corinthians that, 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 that Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the growth. God gives the growth. It's not my church. It's God's church. He gives the growth. He builds it. You can't put your pastor on that kind of pedestal. The pedestal you should put your pastor on is to be faithful to the preaching of God's word. One of my favorite movies growing up was uh, Hoosiers. If you remember the movie, can you give me a honk? All right, four of y'all. Hoosiers is an older movie. It's a movie of a coach by the name of Norman Dale. He's a high school basketball coach. He has a shady past. And he comes in and he coaches his high school basketball team. And he ends up leading them to the state finals. Now this is when basketball was really just getting popular. And the, the basketball court that they played on, what, there was nothing fancy about it. But when they walked into the stadium in which they were going to play the state finals, they were taken back by it. It was massive. They walked in, they saw the empty seats, imagining the amount of people that they could fit in there. They were blown away by it. And then they started getting nervous. This is much bigger. This is different. Well, what does the coach do? The coach goes and he gets the team to take a tape measure and they measure from the goal to the free throw line. The coach asks them, what's the measurement? They say 15 feet. One of the players gets on the shoulders of another player and they measure from the goal to the floor. And the coach asks him, he says, what's the measurement there? He says 10 feet. Coach looks at his team and he says, paraphrasing, it's the same measurements as the court you have back home. 
It's the same basketball court. It's the same game. Church, let me encourage you in saying this. Today, with what we're dealing with, it may feel like it's a big challenge to us. How is God going to build His church in the middle of a pandemic? How is He going to build His church during this struggling time? Understand this, for us as the ball players, for us as being on God's team, it may feel like a bigger challenge, but it's still the same game. We're still called to play the game. We're still called to be faithful in preaching the gospel. We're still called to be faithful in praying. We're still called to be faithful in trusting and then allowing God to do the work. It's no different than what the first century church is dealing with. They are being faithful in prayer. They're being faithful in trusting. They're being faithful in preaching. And church, that's where we should be too. That's where we should be too. We are playing the same game. We may have new challenges or different challenges. We're dealing with COVID-19. They dealt with leprosy. We may have different challenges, but... God builds his church. We don't. We just be faithful in doing what he's called us to do. So I pray that you are faithful. I pray that you are praying. I pray that you are trusting. And I pray that you are sharing the gospel. Whether you are called to be a preacher or you're called to be a disciple. Either way, you're called to share the gospel. So I pray that you're doing that as well. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful, Lord, that you have given us your word that we can trust in, that we can hear, that we can read and study and be encouraged by. God, help us to be encouraged this morning that even though we are in the middle of a pandemic, even though we are in uncertain times, even though it feels like new and different challenges, help us to be reminded that we're still playing the same game that the apostles were playing. We're still called to be faithful, to be faithful in prayer, to be faithful in trusting, to be faithful in preaching, to be faithful in knowing that you are building your church. And God, help us to be reminded of the truth that your church cannot be stopped. Help us to know that. We love you, we praise you, we thank you. Help us to come back to that. Maybe some of us here have been struggling with that. Help us to know that we are not saved by doing these things, but because you save and because we are saved, we should be faithful in doing these things. God, we have a game to play. We have a mission to accomplish. Help us. Help us to remain faithful. We ask all this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.